This is Love Hurts. I'm Brian Berlin. My guest today is Richard Cardillo. Richard is a storyteller and educator living in New York City. I first met Richard at a Moth Grand Slam last year, and he told a beautiful and sad story about falling for and then losing his partner of 18 years. He wanted to keep things a little lighter for our chat, so Richard talks to me about the time in his life where he chose to leave the monastery and come out as a gay man, and how he had to navigate the relationship waters for the first time in his life at the age of 30. Thanks so much for being here, Richard. Thanks so much for having me. This is great. I'm really honored you're here. I'm honored to do this. <laughs> yeah. No, I feel like I met you in the storytelling community, and we've been friends ever since, and I really wanted to get you on this. So it's great to do this. Yeah. Uh, what did uh, you want to talk to me about today? Well, I've been doing an awful lot of reflecting. This year, in July, I turned 60 years old. and People say it's just a number, and it might be. But I'm starting to reflect back on what kind of person, personality, what's my essence like? And I think most people, if they had to pick three or four words that describe me, one of them would always be hospitable. The other would always be engaging. And the third would always be networking of one person to another, bringing my different worlds together. Yeah. So I had all of these different parts of my life, but I always tried to combine them together, my storytelling life, my educational life, my protesting and activist life. So I'd introduce people back and forth. Also made me reflect on the downside of introducing people to each other. (laughs) (laughs) Um, My story starts when I first came out of the closet. I was a 30-year-old virgin coming out of a monastery. I've told many stories about that before. And I was new to the, the gay world. I had no idea how to act, how to date. Uh, I had some good friends at the school that I was in down in Peru, because I was teaching at an international school, who kept introducing me to their gay friends who were always closeted, always hidden, because being gay was still illegal yeah, down there. much different, yeah. Not much different. So um, they, they were giving me my crash course. This was my intensive on how to be a gay man. And I had no idea. I never had a role model. I thought every gay man in the world was this effeminate fop, like a Paul Lind kind of character. I had no idea. So I was learning. But they also introduced me to start dating people. And right away, I met a guy, Gustavo, who I really fell for. And within two dates, we ended up sleeping together. Now, you heard my background was in a monastery. Being a good Catholic, I always believed gay or straight, it didn't matter, that the first person you ever had sexual relations with was the person you stayed with for the rest of your life. That was it. You were bonded now. Um, I guess, you know, when I reflect back on that, my Catholicism wasn't too valid because had I been thinking at the time after I slept with Gustavo is the first man I ever would have slept with would have condemned me to the hellfires forever yeah, in you eternity <laughs> so i couldn't i couldn't justify that then but now i'm realizing this was stupid yeah the fact that you had that <clears throat> belief this one belief that like oh you save yourself until you're with somebody forever but then also the whole being gay and what that means to the catholic church and like this weird so i was a pariah anyway yeah yeah but i was in love i mean it was only a month into this and i'm using words like i love you because all of a sudden i had those tingly feelings that would come and go when I was a vowed celibate man. But all of a sudden, I was 
ready to act on those. And I did. And I had all of those internal feelings. I thought it was love. Now I realize it was lust. And that's all it was. But I kept saying, I love you. I love you. And I started introducing him to my friends. He was you like, wanted everyone to know this oh, guy that's now God. important look to you in your life. Look who's in my life. Look what I can do. That kind of a thing. Yeah. So he, you know, was very closeted. His parents never could meet me. I could never go over his house. He always came to my apartment. The whole thing. So I had a party and I invited all my friends over. And it was kind of a going away party. I had to take a stateside trip. Uh, there was a somebody in my family that was getting an operation. It wasn't really serious. But I was going to be there for that. So I had six days I was going to be out of the country. In my um, place, I asked a friend to stay in my apartment. It was in the downtown Lima area and gringos living amongst so many natives. I didn't feel like my place was safe. It was not a safe neighborhood even. So he agreed. I immediately, and he was just coming out of the closet too. I immediately introduced him to Gustavo and I said, Gustavo will show you a good time. Well, I didn't think Gustavo was going to take me so literally, but I come back six days later and I find the both of them in bed. Oh my god! I opened the door. It was just timing was amazing. Oh my god! Uh, My friend apologized. He said, "You know, I just didn't think I was going to fall for this guy. You told me about him, but I didn't think I was going to fall for him." And he he just captivated me. And I'm like, "Yeah, like he did with me too." So I kind of wrote them off. I said, "I have to take a break from this. I can't stay friends." That was the other thing that I was just learning about the gay life that I couldn't stay friends with anybody who I already slept with and broke up with. So I left that behind. Was it hard to get over that? I mean, it feels like you were so into it. It was your first love. Like, there was the first thing that you really felt something for. Was it hard to get past that initially? I was absolutely devastated. I felt like I had squandered my virginity. I felt like I was cheapened. I just felt horrible. Yeah. And I really kept going back to that gay shame and internal guilt that I always felt that this is what you get for living a lifestyle that is against God's plan for you. <laughs> yeah, because so. growing up as close to the church as you did for so many years, that was still kind of built into you, right? Oh like, my goodness. I was living a bad, bad life. And this was what I get for living a bad life. That Gustavo and Matt were going to end up together and leave me this bitter old man. And I really thought I was going to be this bitter old man. Well, my gay intensive 101 classes kind of (laughs) ramped up and people told me, you know, you can have casual sex. It's okay. People do it. People sleep around. You could do that. And one guy, Pepe, said, so I'm teaching you about that. Why don't we do that? So I said, I don't want to do that. I can't. I, You know, I know I'm going to fall. He said, well, let's go out on a couple of dates first. And we did. And then he got me in the sack. He said, that's it. I got you. And again... I thought it was love. I said, okay, I can make amends for the first time. I didn't know better, but I shared with Pepe. I said, Pepe, I'm really coming off a real bad burn. This guy I went out with ended up hooking up with my friend. And he said that would never, ever, ever happen. I said, that's great. He was also one of the few people I knew down there that was out of the closet. Yeah. So I would invite him out as a boyfriend. I could do that. And I invited them to a party at one of the teachers from my school's house. And I introduced him to this teacher who was there with a girl. I mean, down in the country with a girl. So I figured he was a straight guy. We never talked about being gay. But I introduced him to Pepe. And they're talking all night. And I'm great, 
great. This is a part of me that can connect one person to another. This is wonderful. This is really going to be something that you're known for, Richard, that you can introduce people from all the different parts of your life. Well, (laughs) it was only two and a half weeks before both Pepe and this guy Russell came to me and said, Got to let you know, we're hooking up together. Oh, my God. I just said, what is lightning striking twice for? Even more devastated (laughs) than the first part, I was convinced that just like there were signals in the Old Testament of blood on a door or signs to keep away from this area, I had a mark on my back. And God was sending this loud and clear message, stay away from Richard. He's not somebody to hook up with. Yeah, and it's this thing of like, you're getting punished for doing this thing against God that you were dealing with up until this point in your life of like trying to be like it's okay for me to be gay and be out there and then like your your two first experience are basically like nope if you do that we're gonna take these people away from you type thing like you're just amazing that's and that's exactly what it was for me Brian that I felt like uh this was a punishment that as soon as I got close to somebody, something was going to happen. So now I felt I had this mark on me yeah. and I was not going to date again. I actually made the decision that if I wanted to come out as an out and proud gay man, I had to leave the country. I loved teaching down there. I had spent 10 years of my life down there, but it was time to come back to the United States. And I only had two or three friends in the United States who were gay. I had other friends, but I... Went through the same New York Gay 101. Yeah, I had to learn it all again. All new. And believe me, I had an eye-opener. I had just come back to the United States after the AIDS epidemic, so that was on everybody's mind. Yeah. And at the same time, it was probably the end of those summers of love and free sex and just reveling in your gayness so that you could sleep with anybody you wanted. People were kind of holding back on that now, and I figured that's a good thing. Yeah. It's something that's fine. I started teaching in a school... Uh, and I met via that school, an athletic director from another private school. I was teaching in a private school and that athletic director asked me out on a date and I felt this was great. I hadn't dated since I was stateside and I figured, you know, two bad strikes against me. It can't happen again. I'll save you. (laughs) It happened again. I actually was dating this guy only for about three weeks. He invited me to one of the first times I ever went to a gay bar in New York. Splash. He said, come on, we're going to go there. And by that time, I had started volunteering at an organization that made hot meals for people with AIDS. And there was a friend I had there. And I said, I'll meet you at Splash. I'll introduce you to my new boyfriend. I don't have to go any further than that, (laughs) Brian, for you to understand that this was really bad news for me. It just was not happening. They really, really fell for each other very, very quickly. And they both thanked me for introducing them. And I'm like, thanks for what? Thanks for nothing. Yeah, were you just really conflicted at this point about introducing anybody to anybody in your life at that? Like, There was a part of me that said, I will never, ever, ever introduce anybody to anyone ever again. And I was going to pull back from that. I, I would say the big change for me happened It was about a year after that. I stopped dating altogether. Um, I just did not want to go out with any guy on an exclusive level. And one night I was out with these bunch of friends from where I did my volunteer work at a bar. And a guy came up to me. And he started talking. And then I started talking back and got interested. But he kind of said, listen, I'm really tired. I'm leaving. Bye. (laughs) He left. Four days later, I'm sitting at a very popular 
coffee shop in Chelsea. It used to be called Big Cup. And it was like a big cruising area. And I'm sitting there grading papers. And he walks in. And he comes right up to the table. He said, I owe you an apology. My name is Peter. And I just had a really bad day at work. So I started talking to you and then ended the conversation. But I'd like to ask you out on a date. And I said, I don't think so. <laughs> this is not Yeah, like happen. I've been burned before. Oh, yeah. And I put on the brakes. And he chased me for easily two months where I just kept saying, nope, nope, nope. And he would, you know, there were no cell phones at the time. So he'd literally send me postcards or leave messages on my voicemail at home saying, you know, you keep saying we're going to get together. When can we do it? Finally, he called one night and he said, when are we actually going to get together? And I said, tonight. So I went to his house. We went out to eat. And I had a great time. And this guy just really was so easy to talk to. Long story, very short, we fell in love. He, this was the guy I was with for 18 years. But I learned something in those first few months from Peter that was very, very interesting that put into perspective all of these burned feelings that I had of losing love. Not really helping me that I was mixing up love and lust, like I mentioned before, and what Peter kind of taught me was you don't have to do that and you don't have to be ashamed of anything. Pete was this out and proud gay man from the deep south. He was born and raised in Selma, Alabama. So he came out to his family. They kicked him out. and He said he had nothing to lose. So he came to New York City and he started living his life. He had a great big network of friends. So the tide turned. He was introducing me to <laughs> friends rather than me introducing yeah. him to my friends. And I let him do that. I was not going to introduce Peter to anybody in my life, not even my brothers and their straight as could be, because I figured I have this curse. I got this juju inside of me that is just not going to last that much longer without striking again. Yeah. So I, I kept him to myself. I would ask him after like the first few times he introduced me to this vast network of friends. I mean, every night he'd say, you know, let's get together, go see a movie. Let's go grab a cup of coffee. Let's go get a drink with this person, that person, this person, that word. And I'd ask him. And most of the times I'd say, how did you become friends with Kevin? Or how did you become friends with Douglas? And it was almost the same answer. He said, well, we hooked up one night at a bar. We were sleeping together for a while, but we realized that we were meant to be friends and nothing else. And he was so matter of fact about it. He was so comfortable with that, that I started seeing this in a new light. And we obviously had the discussions about whether we were going to be exclusive and we wanted to be. Yeah. We, we definitely, you know, weren't going to venture out yet. Not that we had anything against, you know, opening things up if that was needed. But right now, it just was the eye opener for me to realize that, yes, Peter had this past, just like I had my past, yet he viewed that past in a perspective that was so different from mine. So I kind of finally accepted at the end of all of that, that other than the option of sleeping around like crazy, which I never rose to that occasion, I could view sex in the context of love, but I could also view sex in the context of like. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. that was a good, good revelation for me. So three times were the charm. I am now, I've been widowed for the last five years and I'm back to dating again. I'm willing to introduce anybody to anyone, anytime, anywhere. It doesn't matter to me now. Uh, but I have learned my lesson. It's still worth the while to introduce people 
back and forth, one to the other. It's still worth a while to p- bring people from all my different worlds together. But it is also well worth my while and so delicious and so wonderful to sit back and watch sparks fly in all different directions in all different ways. Yeah, that's so. great. I mean, it feels like <laughs> it feels like it it took a little bit to get there, but you you hit a point where you're like you you at the end of the day, you went back to that person you've always been of like, I want my people in my life to connect with each other yep. and I'm OK with those people in my life connecting with each other. And it seems like Peter, Peter, right? That was Peter, yeah. right? It seems like Peter taught you this great lesson of like these people are in your life for whatever reason they're in your life. And yeah, it seems like those first few mishaps, it was probably not meant to be any, you know, it's like you probably learned something of them doing what they did. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the funny thing, Brian, is I also think about uh, I have this fantasy that. I don't know if there's an afterlife. I don't know what I believe anymore. Yeah. But I always feel like once you die and you move on to the next phase of your existence, whatever that is in the universe, if you're reincarnated, but you get this knowledge of everything in your past that you never had. And I just want to be able to come to that point and say, what the fuck was going on there? Because within the course of one year, Three guys ended up, and I don't think that speaks, it's so funny because people talk about, well, you got to expect that in the gay community. There's less of us, there's, you know, less pickings and all. I don't think that was it. I think I was giving off this vibe that I was not really somebody that they wanted to hold on to. And why don't you try this one on for size? And that's how it was being interpreted. So that's when I start, at that time, I stopped saying, this is just bad luck for me and started saying, I'm doing something. Get in touch with what you're doing. Yeah, There is a very big part of your life at this point in time that was really trying to figure out one, who you were, but two, like how to navigate this world that was very, not even from a gay sense, but just like you being in a relationship with anybody. Like that was totally new for you as a 30 year old guy. You know, and that the other thing I think of, and it's, you know, I usually have this as a coder because I use it in other stories. I reflect back on the only relationship that was really something that was my touchstone was my parents' relationship. They had nine children in 18 years. Every other year they were having a kid. My wow. mom was always pregnant. Wow. And I always say they were married for 50 years. And I don't think there's a day that went by that they didn't fight like cats and dogs. (laughs) But they stayed together because they were good Catholics. In fact, that's probably where I got the idea that my dad was just out of World War II, met my mom, was probably hot to trot. And she said, not without a ring on my finger. She was, you know, and that was it. And they were together for life. I look at that relationship and I look at how they gave to each other, but how they gave to the kids. And for me... I couldn't transfer that kind of a vision to a gay relationship, my, especially my relationship with Peter. What's really interesting is the dynamic would always come in that I would be catty or be biting to be Peter at the beginning. That was just replaying my mom and dad's relationship. And once I realized that, I'm like, okay, I can change that. That's also the way that I changed viewing, introducing one person to another uh, from Peter. Yeah. So I learned it. Yeah. He, it seemed like he like opened up a lot of these things for you to think about in a different way that was positive as a result because it, 
it let you be more of the person that you felt comfortable being and not the person that you felt like you needed to be or that your parents were. It's like you got to learn how to be the you that like you are today. Right. And and I think the lesson I learned, if I had to get it down to one phrase, is just be comfortable in your own skin. And this is not the end of the world. Um, Peter was the one, it was amazing. Um, he was a gardener. for He owned his own garden company. And I never drop names, but for this one I will. Peter did all of the rooftop landscaping for an author by the name of John Berendt. John Barrett wrote the book Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil. One of the characters in that was, and it was made into a movie with John Cusack and Kevin Spacey. And one of the characters in there is a trans guy, a trans woman by the name of Lady Chablis. And she has this one wonderful line that Peter kind of gave me as my little mantra in life. Once I get down on myself, once I think that all of the world is caving in and I just got to give up. He said, think of that Lady Shibli line. And that line is, two tears in a bucket? Motherfuck it. <laughs> just, just go on. It ain't the end of the world. It's, it's probably the 90s uh, equivalent of the problems of two small people don't amount to a hill of beans in this world from the Casablanca movie. <laughs> but that's exactly what I remember. Two tears in a bucket? Motherfuck it. So, yeah, that's great. I talked about reflecting and... Um, on my parents' relationship, I also realized from their childhoods how they didn't have the equipment, the tools to kind of navigate how you protect yourself, how you take care of yourself. They were so open and vulnerable all the time. And I think that's part of being Catholic and Italian, yeah. just completely out there all the time. Emotions on the sleeves. You are just sailing in the wind with no rudder. And I did feel that. And I feel like I, I kind of... Got that from them. What it did make me also reflect on is when I first came out to my dad. My mom had died by that time and never really came out to her. And I always kind of felt badly about that. When I came out to my dad, I said, listen, I just want to, I couldn't even use the word gay with him. I said, I just wanted to let you know that, you know, I'm dating guys now that I left the monastery. And he said, listen, I've never questioned anybody's private life of any of my kids. You have my support. He said, but please. Be careful with your heart. I didn't take that advice. <laughs> <laughs> it took you a little bit to learn that that part of things. I didn't take that advice. And it came from my dad. Be careful with your heart. I just didn't take it. <laughs> yeah, that feels like, I mean, it's such a sweet thing for a dad to say, but I also feel like it's something you're probably not fully paying that much attention to because your dad is saying it in a way. It's almost like, uh, yeah, it's there's a disconnect in a way of like, oh, it's my dad. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know how like your relationship with your father was, but it seems like he was this very traditional guy, and it felt like he was saying this very sweet thing to you that right. took you a little while yep. to click in or mm -hmm. whatever, right? Yep, that's exactly what it was. And it's funny now. Like I started the story by talking about this is kind of I know people say it's just a number, but turning sixty this year is kind of making me think an awful lot, freaking me out a little bit yeah. too. <laughs> but when I look at it as an older gay man, and this is true in. For gay men, especially, getting older is really uncharted territories. Firstly, my age group, we lost a generation. We lost our best and brightest yeah. to AIDS. We lost them. Relationships broke up. People weren't together. It just didn't happen. Now, I look at the younger generation of you know out and proud gay men, especially. 
gay women as well, but gay men especially. And I look at how comfortable they are with their identities, with their relationships, with the fluidity of how they go in and out. And that was a word that I promised at the age of 60 that I was going to introduce back into my life, being fluid. Um, because up until about the age of 35, I thought being fluid meant using lubricant in bed, but nothing else <laughs> other than that. So I'm committed now to being fluid, being open, uh, being ready for any possibility that comes my way. That's great. Yeah. Yeah, thanks so much, Richard. Thank you, Brian. This, I can't believe I bared all of that. But you thank got, you for giving you me the opportunity. <laughs> How do you feel? Do you feel better now? It's cathartic. Let yeah. me tell you. You know something? I, you know, let me know if you need me to introduce you to somebody. <laughs> <laughs> Straight, of course. Yeah, I'll do yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm all set for now, but if I, if I need it, I'll let you know. <laughs> thank you um, so much again. Yeah, if people uh, want to like find anything more about you online, or any, is, there people, is there a way people can find more about you? I'm at Richard Cardillo on both Twitter and Facebook. I have made it a point. I don't have my own website, but I've made it a point to post all of my stories, and I counted the other night, I have about 30 stories, all on YouTube under my name, Richard Cardello. So if people want to peek at some of those, this story has yet to be told. It's the first time I'm doing it. You got a first to, draft here that you can... Fir- and I wanted it to come out on this podcast. Thanks, so. Richard. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I can't say enough good things about seeing Richard doing live storytelling, so go check him out on YouTube or track him down in New York City at a moth or something else soon. I'm around. It's great. <laughs> yeah. Thanks so much, Richard. Thank you, Brian. Love Hurts is produced, hosted, and edited by Brian Berlin. Our new theme music is by Mickey Hommel. You can find her on Spotify or at her website, M-I-K-K-I-H-O-M-M-E-L.com. Show art by Caroline Mallon. You can find Love Hurts on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you like the show, rate and review it on Apple Podcasts and tell a friend about it. You can find Love Hurts on Instagram and Twitter at lovehurtspod, and our website is lovehurtspod.com. Here's a preview of what you'll hear next week. I was living in Portland, Oregon. I'm originally from upstate New York, so I was like very far away from my home, and I accidentally tripped into an emotionally abusive relationship, meaning that the ecstasy that I took the night I was supposed to break up with him was so good. I didn't realize I was being gaslit until six months later. I'm Brian Berlin, and this is Love Hurts. <laughs>